You're listening to a DM podcast. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Likes. This is part two with our favourite parenting expert, Lord Educator on Earth, (laughs) Jen Muir from Connected Parenting. Hello again. Hi, not an expert. Uh, Well, I can say that you're an expert. I feel like you're just nailing it and you've helped me incredibly with my child. So in my eyes, you're an expert. (laughs) You've killed it. Um, Thank you so much for coming back. My pleasure. Um, I mean, we could just get you back on every week. There is that many questions that were sent in. There was almost a thousand questions. I know, I can't believe it. I know. And I was like, holy shit, how do I pick which one to ask her and stuff? So I've consolidated a few, but obviously you've given us your background last week. But I want to ask you just from your own personal experience, I guess with four boys, um, but even with all the parents that you help and educate, What, in your opinion, is the most difficult age when it comes to children? Without a doubt, it's three. Yes. (laughs) It's three, isn't it? It's three. It's three. Okay. It's three. And you know what? Look, I want to give compassion here to Mm. someone who has a brand new baby because your first adjustment into parenthood is massive. And someone who's navigating two kids, um, that's a big adjustment. And I know there are people out there with teenagers saying, oh, bigger kids, bigger problems. I really don't think that is super helpful. (laughs) I'm I mean, look, I have a 13-year-old. I'm not deep into teen years yet, yes. so check back with me. But yes. honestly, three. Three because our child is at the peak of their emotionality yeah. and their ability to regulate that, that frontal part of the brain, is it's at its lowest, um, particularly if they're boys. Yeah. Um, and it is like massive. They're kind of learning that they've got this, they're exposed to more fears, more ideas they can separate. They're no longer a baby. They're becoming a person. Yeah. And yet their ability to kind of do what they want and navigate it is minimal and they are unreasonable. I, I honestly, it was like I put Kobe to bed as a two-year-old <laughs> and he woke up as a three-year-old as well as a different person. Yeah. Before that, he was so sweet and affectionate and yeah and two-year-olds have meltdowns and you go oh and they're they're redirectable right easily okay um, I've got this and then (laughs) three comes along and in addition most three-year-olds often are navigating a younger sibling so you know most of us have more than one child and then that first three-year-old where you're learning as a parent how to do this stuff set boundaries and and deal with feelings for the very first time in addition to you have a younger child often around that stage. Yes. And then also that three-year-old is often processing the birth of that sibling, which is one of the biggest transitions that any child goes through. So it's a perfect storm. It, it really is. And I, I hear like mums all around the world just being like, wow, three is like a, yeah. a brick to the face. Like it it's so <laughs> intense. And I can safely say that it, it absolutely gets easier. It does. After three. Oh, my goodness. It just gets so much easier. Do you find that three is more challenging with boys over girls? Yeah. I mean, all children are individual, but yeah, like I do think boys do struggle. We know that boys, according to science, <laughs> boys are more big hearted. They actually are more emotional yeah. and yet their ability to regulate that, their ability to articulate that is behind that of a girl. And that's going to make them harder. Girls can be, you know, there's other things they can throw at parents. And I 
I can't, I mean, I can speak to that from what I've worked with parents on. I haven't done it personally because I'm I'm the boy person. Yeah, you're the boy mum. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I remember Charlie as a two-year-old, her speech and vocab was far more advanced than either of my boys. So I think that probably plays a huge role. Like they can articulate themselves better and express their emotions and whatnot. Do you find that the parents who reach out for help, do you feel like that's usually when one of their siblings has turned three? Is that quite yeah. a common yeah. thing? So the most common time for me to do a consult is definitely when there is a two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half-year-old in mm. the house. Um, often there's a younger sibling. Yeah. And it's ex- and, and I love this work because it's exactly why I do what I do because yeah. that's, for me, where things fell apart. But, uh, but still people will reach out, I mean, some of us are blessed with a very deep feeling child that just does things differently or a child that's incredibly feisty and we just need some help, some extra tools to help navigate that because it's just out of our, you know, you need someone else to sort of help you see that more clearly and see what's happening from the outside and that's what I do for people. So it might even be a seven or an eight-year-old that's having trouble sort of navigating their emotions and getting on with friends and they may be misreading some social cues and sometimes it might be a parent who's just questioning questioning everything because they've just had their first baby and the information overload is massive yeah but by far and away I think 90% of my patients my <laughs> clients have um three-year-olds yeah have three-year-olds yeah <laughs> well it's so funny because I I didn't um know of you back when I had Bobby god I wish I did because I would have absolutely been waving the white flag <laughs> um but I think the reason like a big com- topic of conversation that Ryan and I always used to have was are we fucking this up? Like, yeah. are we doing right by our kids? Because, you know, we, we do our best um, on every single day, but we used to be like, when we discipline, are we doing it right? And like, are we responding in the right way that's going to help them understand, help guide them in the right direction? And right when Ryan and I sat down with you, that was the number one outcome that he wanted to get to. He just wanted... He wanted a bit of clarification around whether or not what he was doing originally was right yep. and how he could do better. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately every parent's struggle, right? They yep. just want to know how to respond to certain situations. Yeah, and it's exactly where me and my partner were before um, I became a parent. Became educator. a parenting lord. <laughs> An absolute lord. (laughs) And absolutely often thought, are we stuffing this up? Are we too hard, too firm, not enough? And you've got advice coming from family. You've got information coming from the internet and those things will contradict each other. And so, yeah, I mean, one of the best things people can do is do work with a parent coach or go and do circle of security parenting circle of security circle of security parenting what is that it's not the best name um (laughs) sounds like a prison guard i know it does it sounds terrible um but what what it is is an accessible six to eight week course that parents can go and do and it teaches you all about what children really need and what's getting in the way for you in doing that and that's I mean that's where my journey started okay and I now facilitate that but it is an amazing um, parenting course it's run globally so do you just do it online I teach it via um, connected parenting I do but not at the moment because I'm Uh, doing some other big things but I will do in the back half of the year I'll do more of them but Tresillion runs them Catholic Care runs them and you can do it it's very affordable it's 20 bucks oh my god what that's so cheap yeah not through me it's not (laughs) 
But I, do you feel like you did that and it completely almost changed your outlook? Like, did yeah. you? So I started that, and I, look, I'm I'm a social worker. Yeah. I'm the daughter of a family therapist. Oh wow! So okay. I came at parenting thinking, well, I know how to do this, right? And I really, I really always wanted to be a parent. So it really shocked me that I wasn't um, doing amazing at it. But even when I started doing Circle of Security, I was a few weeks in thinking, well, these other people might need help, but I'm like, <laughs> you got this in me. the bag. <laughs> not me. And I was like, my problem, the problem is my children, not me. <laughs> It's, yep. it's those guys. Yep. Like, I'm actually pretty perfect. I'm amazing, yep. And then about four weeks in when I learned about, you know, how emotions were welcomed in your family of origin, how that can be impacting you, uh, it was like a glass screen shattered before my eyes and suddenly instead of thinking my children were giving me a hard time, I realised that my children were having a hard time. Yeah. And that is the flip. It's like a different perspective. And that's what I try to do with parents in a one-on-one session. I, often what I'm working at, it's not a it's not a particular outcome, it's a perspective shift. And when, yeah. when we can have that shift in our thinking, the rest is organic. You've got it. All parents know how to innately parent if we can just get that perspective to shift. Yeah, that is so interesting. And it makes so much sense, right? When you say it out loud like that, Ryan really struggles with that because he's really, really hard on himself. Um, he's hard on the kids and then he's hard on himself. And yeah, he, he doesn't often show himself self-compassion. Mm. And so, yeah, it's like this vicious cycle, it right? Is. I mean, it, it, the two, two of the biggest things are compassion, yes, but also the ability to be reflective. So if we're able to say, like that story you told before about sending your child to the room for 20 times and <laughs> they're still hitting, you're like, oh, if you're reflective, you're like, this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> And hence why we got you on the phone because um, we were like, we, something needs to change and whatever we're doing is not helping. Because things I do now with my 13-year-old, I'm still learning on him. He's yeah. my first child. And so I'll do things and then I'll go, that didn't work. Okay, so let's reflect and then start back at the basics. So we go back in with connection yeah. and then we kind of try again with it with something else. But we're always, parenting is always a little bit of guesswork and experimentation because, you know, that's the reality. That's Yeah, that's life. A lot of questions, I did want to ask this, a lot of questions that came through were from mothers dealing with children that have ADHD. Yeah. Do you, would you offer different advice for those kind of mums? Like, is that a different playing field? Look, yes and no. Okay. In that, when kids are neurodivergent, ADHD or um, autism or sometimes kids just have sensory stuff going on, yep. there's no official diagnosis for that but it yep. really can impact behaviour. All of those things, the advice applies 100% yes but what those parents are having to do is dig deeper and harder and longer and it's going to feel like it's not working but yep. in actual fact it is. You've just got to dig to this completely different level and yeah. it's it is bloody hard it's and yeah. um and it's you know we all know I've got four children and some are easier than others to parent and and it is a different ball game yeah in addition if you have a child with an official diagnosis or if it, at any time you're thinking something doesn't feel right it just mm -hmm. doesn't feel normal or it's impacting the family bigger than what it feels like it should the best thing you can do is seek out extra help for that so if your child has a diagnosis one of the best things you can be doing is getting the help of a professional occupational therapist yeah OT. they are game changers and those ot's like i swear i mean um we've done a lot of ot you know <laughs> yes. um and they've just changed our lives they're amazing yeah. and i like i often say i think 
good OT in the first five years for any child who is struggling with emotional regulation, who's struggling with social skills, that's struggling with hitting or hurting, you know, if that's persistent and it's ongoing, get some OT, like if in doubt, get help, because that help in the first five years is absolutely critical and it gives you as a parent skills. So yeah, it kind of sets a foundation, right, upon which they grow. Okay, so I'm going to ask some questions that have been sent in. Let's do it. So a lady's written in and said, how to best nurture self-confidence in an eight and a nine-year-old boy with extreme emotions because I can imagine yeah. eight and nine-year-old boys. She's there. starting to worry. Yeah. 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 And he's got these extreme emotions. You know, it, we go back to the absolute beginning and sometimes you can think, what if it's too late and I haven't done this from the beginning, but I would be absolutely showing that child empathy and naming those feelings. And you need to let him know that you believe in and love and he's worthy of love exactly how he is yeah and so it's that thing of you know when particularly when he's emotional he needs that support and love even more and that will be the answer to him kind of feeling more confident is knowing that he's okay exactly how he is yep um i think with those kids again that are sort of taking a bit more time to settle it's about really believing in him and trusting that finding the strength in that emotionality often when kids are highly emotional they're often really big feeling and deep hearted and he's going to be this most amazing empathetic man and we just got to get him there believing in himself so it's about I think one of the biggest things you can do is just love him even in those big emotions yeah even when they're my mum always used to say you know I loved you even when you weren't that lovable yes yeah (laughs) unconditionally right and I would say just one more thing is because she asks about self-confidence so maybe he says things sometimes like I'm not good at that or um no one likes me or something Mm -hmm. and our instinct as parents again is to make it better for those kids if they're lacking confidence we say no you're amazing and everyone likes you and you know you're you're so great and yet the best thing you can do is stop and get down next to your child and go, that sounds really tough. It sounds like you feel like no one likes you. That would be a really hard feeling. Tell mm. me more. And that is a really daunting thing to do as a parent. I find it hard, but my gosh, you get such a different response because your child goes, oh my gosh, I, I hear you and I'm listening, I'm engaged. And then you can say, I've had days where I felt like no one was my friend and this is what I do to help. And they think I'm not alone. And Mm. then they've got this, again, it's that ability to connect first in order to get our child to that place where they can hear us. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I I mean, even I had Charlie, she was crying on the first day that Bobby started school and like hysterical (laughs) over everything and anything. And I was getting frustrated with her because she crying over a school uniform and crying over brushing her teeth and crying over everything and and then I again since talking to you <laughs> I would normally be like are, are you kidding like this is Bobby's first day don't ruin it for him pull it together. like pull yourself together <laughs> I'm not asking you to do anything abnormal but I sat with her and I said what like what's going on I I is it is it the new school are you feeling really overwhelmed or you know do you want to talk to me about like why you're so upset and stuff and she I mean she was like nobody's paying me any attention yeah um because it was all on Bobby and I was like yeah and so I kind of made her I made her feel seen yeah and whilst I didn't agree with while she was crying I kind of gave her examples of when it was her first day of school and how special we made it for her yeah. and how we're doing this similar thing for Bobby and, yeah. you know, for her to get involved and become part of that and whatnot. And she 
like instantly snapped out of it. Yeah. I don't know if that's a girl thing and she bounced out. I don't know. If no, look, I think any of us, right? Like if, if you're having a bad day and someone says, oh, no, like that, you, you're fine, like you'll be right and actually you just want someone to go, sounds like you're really worried about that. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah. And then a problem shared is a problem halved. Like then you feel better. Often the fastest way to move a child on is actually just accept the problem. Yeah. They've got the answers. Mm. Okay, so uh, separation anxiety at school drop-off. Yeah, so big, so hard. And yeah. I obviously my area of expertise is younger children, so yeah. that's where I'm going to um, focus this answer. But, you know, the biggest thing we can do is prep when we're calm and connected and, like, not in the rush of the day. So talking your child through who's separating the problem when they're calm, laying out clothes the night before if it's preschool or um, uniform if it's school and kind of going, okay, so we've got this problem. I know it's hard to say goodbye to mummy at the gate and I miss you too. What can we do to make ourselves feel better? What if we had a connection ritual where, um, you know, I draw a heart on my wrist and a heart on your wrist and we press our hearts to think of each other? What if I gave you kisses or hugs to keep in your pocket? What if you had a special object that you hide in your backpack? You know, there's so many creative ways of creating that invisible string between us and our child. Can I ask a question? Yeah. And you might tell me that I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> With Kobe, um, we he has quite a big separation meltdown when I drop him off at preschool <laughs> and I don't know if this is right or wrong but I'll be like I'll bring you a special drink <laughs> when I pick you up and that you like and then it, even if it's like a lollipop I'll be like you want strawberry or chocolate like just trying to distract him I mean food always works with Kobe but is that like not right what I love is that you're focusing on reconnection so what you focused on there is when I come back to get you is yeah. the really important bit the added um bribe <laughs> is fine yep. and sometimes you know what as parents like I reckon my youngest started kindy last year and I think I funded the local bakery just in the amount of gingerbread <laughs> men I brought him to just get him to school yeah. so you know what sometimes when our kids are going through a transition then you know what Whatever gets you across the line, that's only a problem when it's a problem. So if you're literally feeding him 15 Mars bars <laughs> to get in the door, you probably got a problem. Okay, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, but what you did do so beautifully is you focused on reconnection. Yes. So, um, you know, that's the biggest thing. We're trying to make our kids feel seen and heard. Like, so the first step when our kids are struggling after that prep and the connection ritual, and we've done all that beautiful stuff, but on the day, wouldn't it be great if our kids said, well, mum, you did that beautiful connection ritual. So... <laughs> Now I'm just going to skip off I'm to just school. Just walk off. Yeah, like just, just don't even just, just open I've the car this. door. I've got it. Um, but no, that's not going to happen. And the biggest thing to know is our kids struggling to say goodbye to us is the hugest compliment. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? and we view it. We view it as something wrong with them or wrong with us, and it doesn't mean that child doesn't like daycare or school. Mm. It means that separating from your primary caregiver, like who you know is everything to you it's the sun and the moon in your universe yeah. is really hard and at certain periods it'll be harder for kids and so our job is to create those scaffoldings or the, the invisible string to keep us connected then we want to let them know we get it now I'll tell you what happens to me when my child is saying I don't want to go to school I do what we all do so I say no but you love it at school and if you don't go you'll miss playing with yeah. your friend Pei Hong and also you know there's a there's a slippery slide at school and you yeah. love that and like you know you love it and then what happens always is your child is getting louder and louder and louder and they're saying oh, I don't want to go to school and by the time you're opening the door they're clinging onto the <laughs> 
like the um you know what are they the, the side handles the on side the side handles yeah. in the car like an octopus and yeah. you're prying them off right yeah. and so what I do is yes I do that stuff where I will dismiss or distract or I'll bribe okay so my child is having the piece of strawberry chewy to get out the door yeah, at the moment yeah. but then what I do is when I go okay this is DEFCON 4 like he's letting me know there's an emotion here this is a 30 percenter I'm yeah. going to open the door I'm going to get in my child's face and I'm literally going to say you are having a hard time going to school today I'm just going to say what is actually happening yeah and then I'm going to say I get it and I, you know I miss you too mm. Mm. yeah um, <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I will miss you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will miss you too. And it, it makes sense. Lots of kids find it hard to say goodbye to their mummy. Yeah. It makes sense. And at that point, if you hold that moment and you don't rush just for a second, hang in that moment, your child's face will soften mm. and you might have a hug and then you do your big boundary moment and this is like clear, calm, confident and you say, okay, I, I would use a hand signal. People can't say this, but I'm doing a yep. big stop sign. stop sign. Okay, so now it is time to go to school. Do you want to? Do you want me to carry you in, or you're going to walk, or do you want to carry your bag, or will I? Two choices help, but at this point, you are moving forward with confidence. You're going to be swift. You're going to put them in the arms or the hands of someone safe, and you're going to say you are safe now with Mrs. Jones. And I cannot wait to see you this afternoon. And when I pick you up, I'll bring you a Fredo Frog if that's yeah. what you want to add. But you don't have to add that last bit. You just do that swiftly, trusting that once we go to say goodbye, it's. Better better if you're quick and confident because what you want to give off to your child you've done the connection you've done the welcoming feelings and now you want to let them know you believe in them because if you're looking back stressing and feeling like you're not sure if you're doing the right thing they pick up on that and then they think well I was worried and then I'm looking at my primary caregiver and they look worried and, she looks worried. and now we're yeah. all worried and I don't think anybody has the wheel so we have to be confident at that last bit that makes so much sense I I remember when I used to drop Charlie off at school and obviously initial separation and I I used to linger and I I didn't want to leave her because mm. obviously first time mom you'd yeah. see them hysterical crying reaching out for you and it goes against every grain in your body yeah. to walk away and then a teacher said could you please just get out of here Shit. yeah and the teacher was like you're actually making it worse I absolutely understand also made me feel seen mm. I understand what you're feeling but she will be so fine you need to hand her over confidently mm. tell her that you're going to pick her up early and you know it's like um, being in purgatory we're not letting them go like they're stuck between two worlds if we hang and we want to just say okay this is the we're ripping off the band-aid yeah that doesn't mean we don't care you know we cannot wait to see them we can't I believe in you I can't wait to see you at the end of the yeah. day and that's just as important as all that empathy and connection at the start mm. okay talk to me about kids who just say no to everything I mean I also have a child my middle child who is doing this at the moment so I'm very interested to hear your response to this uh no to eating dinner, to brushing their teeth, yeah. to getting dressed, to turning off the TV, just flat no, no. Yeah, they're going to be a CEO one day. Yeah. Um, you know, so just think long term. But we've <laughs> sure. got to survive it. Yep. So, look, you've got that's, – that's around getting kids to comply is what we're talking about here. And often kids – the way parents will phrase it is my child won't listen. Yeah. Um, and actually what they're saying is um, my child won't do what I say. Yeah. Okay. And so do we've got they're to, told. We've, we've yep. got to look at – why? So we're definitely looking at the underlying behaviour, but personality will um, play a role here yep. as well. And if you've got this really strong-willed, feisty kid, what you want to do is get them on your team and you want to use all the creativity you can in terms of humour. Like a child that says no, don't ask a question. Like, first of all, don't ask a question to any child under three. Like, do you want to brush your teeth? No. No. 
Do you want dinner? No. No, yeah. do not ask them questions. Tell them if it's not a question. It's, it's, you're setting them up for failure because it's not a question. It's, it's, it's a statement. Yeah. It's now time to brush our teeth. And your voice has to be clear. But for those strong-willed kids, some of the things that help is you say, do you want to hold the brush first or will I? Or you might say, it's about to be dinner time and I need your help. Yeah. And we get them setting the table. Kids who are strong-willed, one of the beautiful things about them, they will love to help. They love to be the boss. Yes. You could help the, get say, do you think we should put... I don't know, tomato sauce or barbecue sauce on the table. Yep. And that child's going to be like, oh, you know, I get a say in this. So we want to do all of that. But at the basic level, are we doing the basic things that children need to go well? Because they want to listen. They want to do the right thing. So how are we communicating? Often we're yelling from across the room and we're not connecting first. Mm-hmm. We feel like it will take too much time to connect, but it is such a game changer. If you walk up, instead of giving that instruction, it's time to brush your teeth or it's time to have dinner. If you walk up, touch your child, get close to them and say, oh my goodness, look at what you're doing. Oh, you've built the biggest tower. Tell me about it just for a second. And they tell you and they delight and they're connected and they're listening. And then you say, it's now time to brush our teeth or to have dinner. I need you to wash your hands and meet me at the table. So never more than two steps. Generally, they're going to go so much better because you connected first. Yes. And this is connected parenting. This is you. That is it. And then the only other thing you want to look at is how do you follow through when there's a no. So you want to look at your boundaries because that's the other place that things could be coming unstuck. If you just say, okay, just this once, don't brush your teeth, then yeah. That's kind of, that sends them the wrong, that sends them a message that like your boundaries can. We can change our minds you. about a decision. So okay. if your child says, I want a biscuit and you say, you know, sometimes we knee jerk, no, it's dinner in 20 minutes. My answer is no. And they go, Wah! and then. <laughs> This is literally me. And then they. <laughs> and then we got, like, here's the thing you shouldn't do is like, okay, fine, just one. But I'm mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's like, it's not going to work. And what they've learned is I had this big emotion. It was scary for me. And it clearly scared my mum too, because she changed her mind about that thing she was not going to do. So. I'm going to do it more often. <laughs> well, A, it worked, but. Be more likely those emotions are scary and and kind of we haven't learned how to communicate in kind of a better way. Yeah. What we can do instead, always, it's okay to change your mind. You just want to be reflective. So your child, you say no, they say ah, and you go, hang on a sec, give me a sec. Do you know what? I, I did say no, but I can see how much you want it and dinner's a bit longer away than I thought. So all right, how about just one now and one after dinner? So you 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 be reflective instead of collapsing. Yeah. And that what what's required for us to do that is a pause. Yeah, I was going to say it's almost like before you respond or react or do anything with your child, pause. it's you need to pause, right? Yeah. And kind of collect yourself. Yeah. And that's a huge one. That's a huge takeaway for me because I sometimes react quite um, instinctly. Yeah. Or if- because that pause is going to allow you to work out, is this a boundaries moment in that? Is this going to work for me? In that, yes, do you know what? This is not the hill I want to die on, have a goddamn cookie. <laughs> yes. Or actually I am two minutes off serving dinner and I know they won't eat and I'll feel guilty later. So I'm holding my no. So we take the pause and then we hold our no. We get down low and say, I know how much you want a cookie. My answer is no. And you can be upset about that. I really get it. And, you know, I'm here with you. It's okay to be mad or sad at mummy. My answer is still no. I think the pause as well for me would almost be a moment for 
myself to self-regulate as mm. well because I know more often than not like sometimes if I'm cooking in the kitchen and I'm trying to get dinner all and one's running around out in the street and I don't have eyes on him and I've asked him to come inside and he's ignored me and then I've got another one melting down in the kitchen more often than not I can like snap yeah but I think that pause that you speak about would be really good for myself yeah to be able to be like right Okay. It's okay to pause Me, for a second. Yeah. Even yeah. when one child hits another and you're so triggered, the biggest thing you can do is just <gasps> just going to turn away for a split second because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be the parent I want to be if I respond, you know. Well, I've noticed that me doing that pause and then with Kobe hitting and just taking a second to not instantly react, that allows me to um, come at him softly yeah. and as opposed to just reactively yeah. and yeah so I think it I think that is the the, the biggest takeaway for me um, is ma- doing that pause before the, reacting the pause is stopping your brain from going into fight or flight yeah so once we're in fight or flight we're like the toddler who's hitting and kids don't have that opportunity right because no, they don't have that so they don't have ability to pause so we've got to do that for them okay what about what about parental preference because it's rife in my family okay so Mm. parental preference is a normal developmental stage that all particularly two-year-olds and three-year-olds will go through and it's called splitting and it's meant to happen and it's really great again tick yay we're we've hit a milestone is what i would say okay and it's not a problem unless it's a problem so at the moment my youngest child really prefers my husband reads to him and that is not a problem for me Uh, go right ahead I agree daddy is so good at that I will go and get him is my response that's totally fine but if I had a three-year-old that is absolutely refusing one parent Mm -hmm. and the other parent is busy with a baby or working then that is probably not going to work for those parents and I always say to parents it's a boundaries issue parental preference um, when it becomes an issue for you mm-hmm. so even um, sometimes kids get so worked up in parental preference they'll be like say with the car seat like mummy do it up no daddy no mummy no daddy they don't know what they want they need you to step in and set a boundary and that might sound like I can hear you're not sure who you want to do your buckle up mummy is going to do it click And I know you weren't sure about who you wanted and they might be like, no, I wanted daddy. And you're like, I know. But you're just, you're helping them out. It's actually kind to set a boundary. But I want to talk through a standard parental preference four-step boundary. So this is, so I've got four steps to setting a boundary and it's the same no matter what the situation is always unless there's hitting, hurting or risk to property yourself, right? So there's four steps. And the first thing is take that breath, regulate you. Just stop for a second because if you come in up, escalated high, yelling, freaking out, like, yeah, it's game over. You, you, You need to be kind of calm and in control and kind when you're setting a boundary and when we're yelling, it's none of those things. So yep. the ship has sailed and our kid's looking at us going, you don't have the wheel. You've lost control. You've lost control. Yeah. It's like, I'm getting a new parent. Yep. So the next step is always that we name the wish or the want. So in parental preference, just say parent, the non-preferred parent has mm-hmm. come in and said, it's time for me to get you dressed for bed. And they've gone, no, I want mummy. Yep. And just say that non-preferred parent is like, oh, offensive. So you, <laughs> you take a deep breath and go, okay, yep. super hurtful. But in your head, you want to gear yourself up and go, do you know what? I have everything it takes to be a great 
parent to you. And you know what? I'm just going to back myself, okay? Yep. So take a deep breath, get down low, and first is the empathy. And you've got to really meet your child where they're at. So if I stand there crossing my arms and saying, I hear you really want Danny, but he's not here tonight, my child's going to go, you don't get it. So you've got to get down and say, I hear you. You really wanted mummy tonight. You really wanted mummy to get you dressed and it's me. Yeah. And you're really disappointed. And we're holding space for that, going, I'm big enough and wise enough and kind enough to handle what you throw at me because this is normal and I'm fine with it, even if I cry later. <laughs> but I'm fine with it. And then comes that, that moment where your child's face softens a bit and they're like, oh, so you get it. You hear me. Instead of me having to fight harder and louder and longer to let you know I wanted some control in my life, which is what it's all about. Yeah. I'm able, and also they're testing you a bit. Do you have yeah. what it takes even when I'm throwing the worst thing in the world at you? Yeah. Have you got this, Dad? Have you got this now? Have you got this at 16? You know, so you're st- stepping into that saying, I hear you and it's okay for you to have those feelings and yeah. I see them. And then you set the boundary and you say, tonight I am getting you dressed. Arms up and you're just moving forward. And if they fall on the ground like, oh, I want mummy, you're picking them up and you're going, I know, you really wanted mummy. But tonight, it is daddy who's doing it. Arms up and you're just putting that top on and you're moving forward. Yeah. And would you say with when you do set your boundaries, you're big on like body language as well, yes, right? I know. I mean, you need no to one, film me nobody in can see this. We should have videoed this. <laughs> but the arms are going. But even I, I'm very interested in that as well. Yeah. I would love to understand. Because how. 90% of communication is nonverbal anyway. Yeah. And our kids don't have that ability to speak and process words like an adult. So, so much. And when they're unregulated, they're hearing like one in 10 in our, of our words. So you almost need to guide them with your body, right? Yeah. So a child, like if you walk up to a child and you say, <laughs> stop running, Yep. right? And they're two, they're probably going to hear one of two of those words and it's probably going to be running. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. And they're like, yeah, running. Yeah. <laughs> If you get up and you get really clear in their face, you come close, you touch them and you whisper and you go, I need you to walk. Yes. They're going to hear just one word, but they're going to see the stop sign and the whisper and the clearness and they're going to go, she's, okay, walk. Walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Jen's putting her hand up. She's doing a stop sign a lot. None of you can see this, but she's doing the stop sign. She's a traffic controller. But no, that makes so much sense. Or like I always find that when I'm asking my kids to brush their teeth, uh, um, funnily enough, my three-year-old loves to brush his teeth and the other two are a bit like meh. Whereas I always will get Bobby out and I almost walk him to the bathroom. Yeah. I kind of guide him with yeah, my hands. Yeah, the other bit we miss in boundaries, like we so often say, okay, who wants, um, like it's time to brush our teeth now. And our <laughs> voice goes up at the end and our kids are like, yeah, yeah, no, it's not. No. You don't sound confident at all. So yeah. you need to be moving forward. It's actually very physical. Like yeah. it's it, it's not physical in a rough way, yep. but it is a physical in I trust that you are coming. Like I'm leading. Yeah, and she's not taking no for an answer. We've got to brush our teeth. Okay, so what about, and this came through a lot, yeah. and I mean this is probably also boundaries and stuff siblings hitting like Mm. jealousy my best friend um she'll kill me if I don't ask this question but (laughs) her two-year-old does this thing where whenever they go to a park if a kid comes anywhere near her she will either push or she'll kick or she hits and she doesn't do it at home she doesn't do it at daycare but it's a 
park thing. Yeah, she's feeling overwhelmed in that situation. Yeah, well, that's what I, I thought. Maybe it was like a territory thing, like don't – this is my play equipment. Yeah, but I, I mean, think she – I mean, often like behaviour like that is linked to an underlying emotion of worry. So mm. something in that environment for her is a bit challenging and she's just feeling like – and it might be that those kids are getting a little bit more in her space than she can handle and she can't articulate that yet so she just reacts with a knee jerk like push them away. Yep. Um, so that could be what is going on. But in terms of siblings, it's a really different underlying yeah, thing. Yeah, because that's like jealousy comes into play, right? Or is that what a kid is feeling when they're that age? I really think with 90% of sibling staff, what our kids are seeking is connection with the primary caregiver. So that's us. And what they learn from such a young age. So the most common sibling scenario I get, and it is just like minutely, um, is, okay, so I've got a two or a three-year-old and they're hitting the baby or they're taking everything out of the baby's hands or every time the ch- younger child gets up to walk, they thump them down. So it's a really, really common one um, that I get. It's rarely the inverse, but it does happen. Yep. But it's often that older child. And then what parents are seeing only is the bad behaviour of that older child. They're getting in trouble, rinse and repeat. It just happens. Yep. On high rotation if we can stop with siblings and what we want to do is come in and again you need to take that pause because when one of your children hurts the other one it is the, one of the most triggering things as parents ever yeah. right it's the absolute pits but what you want to do is take that pause so that you can view it a bit more clearly what we often think our role is is judge and jury and actually mm. our role is to commentate sibling stuff like you're commentating a horse race you're not passing any judgment so you're coming alongside you like you see it like you know I'm a mum of four boys so like I hear it from across the other side of the house building and I know someone's about to get hurt and so what you can do is when you feel that build in pressure or you notice one of your kids is getting annoyed because the baby keeps coming close and knocking over his tower and he's only got so much more in the tank you've got to step in and start commentating yes right and then you're like okay I can notice you're getting empathy you're getting really frustrated and that makes sense should we go move the Lego to the table or um, you even need to say to those babies from as young as 11 months our babies know that they can seek the connection and attachment of the primary caregivers by poking the bear. (laughs) By poking the older sibling, right? Yeah, Yeah. they know that. And by 18 months, you bet they know it. And so we think that younger child is innocent. It always takes two to tango and they're always, yes, sometimes it's literally I can't control myself, someone's done something annoying and I snap because that's my age. But when we're seeing repeated sibling struggles, it is coming from a seeking of connection and attachment with the primary caregivers. And the only way to reset it is empathy to the hitter, which people think, oh, my God, Jen, surely we're not going to reward this stuff. But I'm telling you, I've tried it the other way. Yes. And it didn't work. You're living proof. Not like it doesn't the work that only way. only times like my, you know, you know, I won't reveal too much, but, you know, like I've definitely had that happen in my house. And the only time we've seen shifts is when we've gone into that older child and said, I get it. Younger brothers can be really annoying. Yeah. And we're very aware of what's happening. And, you know, yet it didn't go so well, did it? What can we do different? And once we're in our child's corner alongside them mm-hmm. but they're, they're more likely to listen and we've got a chance to brainstorm a different way of doing it and then you've got to catch them doing the right thing and go oh man I saw how you did not hit your brother in that and moment praise. and yeah, yeah I would I would say I notice how hard you're working at that 
Yeah, and you, you're doing a fantastic yeah. job. And, that and the it. other thing you can do, I love praising about my child within earshot, but as if you don't think they're in the room. Yeah. So you just tell your partner or if they're very little, you can tell their teddy bear. So even my youngest, I talk to his Sonic and I go, oh, my gosh, Harry is going so well at the, at school. Like, he, oh, you know, he's so really nice. killing it. And, like, he just sits there going, oh, yeah. <laughs> Talking to your kids' toys is one of the biggest hacks I can give you. What, you really? Gotta, yeah, you got to talk to your kids' toys. Uh, I mean, I could probably do it to uh, Bobby and Kobe. Charlie would sit no, there no, and be like, she'd mum's be like, okay, mum's, lost, mum's it. lost it. But with you, you'd be surprised. They love it. They love the fun of it. Like you might have, just say your child says, I hate what's for dinner. <laughs> Grab their favourite toy and go, you know, hey, um, you know, Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's worried about dinner. I know. Are you worried about dinner too? Yeah, I get it. Okay, well, you sit at the table. He's going to help you out. And next, I mean, it's just amazing. Oh, that's so good. These are all very, um, (laughs) very, very good little tips and tricks. Um, Now, listen, I'm very mindful of the time and you need to go. I need to get Um, a spray tan. I know. Jen has a spray tan booked in. We Can I tell you one story? I'm going to finish with one story. Please. Okay, so because I think you're going to ask a question about meltdowns, aren't you? Yeah, sure. I feel like that's a – if you can tell a story about that, that would I be I want to helpful. tell a story about meltdowns because I can tell you all the things that you need to do. And everybody knows, okay, so my child has a meltdown and I shouldn't dismiss it and I should welcome that feeling and sit on the floor and take Old deep space. breaths and be yeah. kumbaya with my child and yet what I want to do is punch a wall or run yeah. away and it's like killing me. And I want to tell you a story about when I had my fourth son – Mm -hmm. Um, He was in a baby carrier. He was 10 days old. I was in the kitchen. I was cooking dinner. It was 5 p.m. We were in a shitty rental. My husband was not home. So you can picture where I'm at as a mum, right? Okay? I'm not not okay. I'm I'm texting E-T-A dot 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 to my husband. (laughs) Do you know how you do that? Yeah. So I'm not okay. And then my two-year-old walks up. He says, mum, can I have a banana? And I said, yeah, sure, kid, have a banana. And then he says, can you peel it? I say, yeah, sure, kid. And I peel the banana. And as I'm peeling it, I do what you should never do to a two-year-old. I broke it in half. Oh, I know, I know. And so, of course, he is like, that banana is officially ruined and I need a new banana and I did not have a new banana. And so we know as parents where this is heading, don't we? Oh, yeah. So he's not okay about the banana situation and he's saying, I want a new banana. And he's too. So in his mind, he's like, just magic one up. Like, I need a new banana. That one is broken. It's ruined. And I'm saying, just eat the one you've got. And I'm just like, I don't have this in the tank, even though I do what I do. I'm just saying, get out of my way. Yeah. And he's going, I really want a new banana. And then I'm going, okay, so I go in a fix-it mode as a parent. I'm like, okay, I'm going to distract. I'm going to fix it. And I say, I'll put it in a bowl. I'll give you a spoon. I'll put sprinkles on it. I would have done anything to make that banana edible, right? And then I'm probably thinking, what about TV? He's going, you are not listening. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And he's (laughs) at what I call DEFCON 4. Like he's gone, okay? He's on hands and knees flailing. And this is a kid who generally is pretty calm. He's sort of my good one. Um, And I'm thinking, and this is what happens. So my brain is heading rapidly into fight or flight at this point. So I've distracted, deflected, tried to fix and solve. And now I'm going into fight or flight and I'm thinking – a, I, I want to pick him and the banana up and throw them out the back door. Yep. But B, I'm having all these other thoughts and this is what happens as a parent. I'm thinking, I can't do this. I can't live like this. If he's going to be like this, I need to nip this in the butt. I need to change this. Maybe I need to send him to his room. Even though I know, because I do what I do, mm. that that is not right. Yep. That's where I'm heading because that's what would have happened to me. When I was yep. two, I would have been sent to my room, right? So all this stuff is happening and something allowed me to pause. Yes. The pause. The pause. And I thought, this sucks. And I gave myself compassion in that second. I went, okay, this is really hard. This is really, really hard. Okay. All he needs is for me to let him know that I get it. 
Yep. I sat down next to him on these little steps in the kitchen in our shitty rental and I said three things and they're only what happened. I said, one, your banana broke. Mm. He's like, yeah. I said, two, you did not want it to break. That was not your wish or your want. You did not want that banana to break. He was like, no. And then I said, three, you're really, really sad about it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, <laughs> so sad. Within three seconds, his head was on my shoulder mm. and he was eating that banana. And I do this stuff because I've been doing this for like eight years and I do this stuff daily. I welcome feelings daily. And I tell this story to parents because even if we have all the knowledge, even if we know all the research, it is so hard in the moment to be that person when I'm cooking the dinner and the baby and all the stuff, but also I'm trying to turn out a kid who's resilient. And so all that stuff is happening. So finding that in the moment is super hard, but if you can just find that sense of just sit down, A, sit in the hole, is what Brené Brown would say, and just find the wish or the want. And from there, it flows. But if you can just name what's happening and go, I get it. And it's a stupid reason to be upset. We we agree. Yeah. but And yet for him. And the beautiful thing about that story was it was later that night that I was reflecting with my husband like, oh, my gosh, that went so well. I can't believe how quickly it took him off the ledge. Yeah. But in addition, how good it felt. And then at that night, I'm thinking, that wasn't just about a banana, was it? That yeah. that kid had just had a baby brother born 10 days ago. I went to hospital for five days. He is processing, where do I fit? Do you have yeah. enough love, mum, for me and this baby? Mm. And that's where we can get to. If we miss that, we're stuck on the banana. And yeah. we're just looking at a behaviour going, well, my kid is not resilient. And... And we're stuck kind of at loggerheads. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's a really great story. <laughs> and I, 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 can, I can 100% vouch for it because just doing what, in, what you did in that scenario with Kobe, I, I have seen such a dramatic change in him. I mean, there's still a lot going <laughs> on in there. But, like, in terms of the, in terms of the violence and the hitting, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. It, it honestly has gone. So my again take from this is to you know he um he wanted a biscuit this morning <laughs> after I'd fed him cereal and toast and I, and then he demanded a biscuit and we were about about to leave the door and I said no and he he was absolutely distraught like he was on the floor flapping around like barramundi um <laughs> out of water and he was so upset and I probably handled the situation wrong I kind of just bundled him up in the car and slapped on his thing and we went but I feel like had I handled that the same way I handle him when he raises his fist I would have been able to settle him and then preschool drop off look maybe except maybe that's not part of your 30 percent today yeah okay well that's good this is good (laughs) I've got. I it's can, okay. You yeah. bundled him up. You took charge. Sometimes we don't have time to meet our child's emotional need, and that biscuit just wasn't in the thirty percent quota. I'm sure he's going to give you another opportunity tonight. <laughs> he comes at me every <laughs> Friday afternoon with, "I'll make my thirty percent within the first hour, and then I'm tapping out." <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Okay, thirty percent very achievable. I need to focus on that, and yep. yeah, let things that when they when I don't handle them so well, I can let them slide too. Yeah. 
Um, okay, I will really let you go now. I know how important <laughs> spray towns are. Um, but thank you so, 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 so much for coming on. I mean, I would love to have you back. There is a whole spreadsheet there of more questions that we didn't yep. get to, um, but we've run out of time. But I will put your handle and yep. I'll put your website. And if anybody wants to reach out to Jen and you do seminars, you do yep. one-on-ones, yep. you do so many things. You've got your hands <laughs> in lots and lots of pots. You can reach out to her by – what's the best way to contact my you? My Insta is my favourite community. Um, yeah. So yeah. I love Insta. I'm I pretty play. responsive over there. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I've, you oh, know, TikTok. Wow, you're my better My TikTok than me. is my biggest following. It's going what? crazy over there. But my most intimate community is my Insta. So by come far. and join me there. Yes. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Um, I can't thank you enough. You thank are you. just absolutely – wealth of knowledge and with pearls of wisdom and I loved it everything you say makes so much sense (laughs) and I I would love if you could just move in with me (laughs) I'm joking thank you so much enjoy your spray tan and um, everyone else I will chat to you next Wednesday bye for now